Discipleship training classes, um, there are three separate options. We're going to, Ms. Payne's going to have a video show in just a few minutes. Um, actually, here in a moment. Um, that kind of gives you some more background on, on the class that she's going to be teaching. Matt Tucker's going to be teaching a class, and uh, Philip Williams will also be doing one. And then we're going to have a Disciple 6 group for the youth group, which is also discipleship training. Uh, so if you have students or know students that would benefit from being a part of that, which is your students, they would benefit from being a part of that. Come on out and join us for that. Um, we're going to go ahead and watch this video. Yeah, no, I don't think we are. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't think we are. Come on, Philip, you got it. Play a little bit again. Part of us are having technical difficulties. But you know what? The voice is still good. All right, well, Ms. Payne can come up here and make a little announcement about the class she's going to be teaching. It's not working. It's the drama part. Um... You know, when a patient is brought into a hospital emergency room, and I've had a little experience with that in the past week or so, he is immediately checked for vital signs of life. We could do the same check on the body of Christ. If we are not manifesting the same signs of life in our life that Christ did, our world will never see him as they should. The um, study that we're going to be doing is in the title of it is Signs of Life, and it's by David Jeremiah. And we have a book to read, and we also have a study guide. But most of all, we're going to use the scriptures because if we don't can't use the scriptures to see um, our example, then we don't really need to be following anybody else but Jesus, and that's what we're going to be studying. Studying scriptures to see our example of how we live our life. We're going to be talking about having dusty shoes, which is living a relevant life, um, worn out knees, which is living a yielded life, rolled up sleeves, living an authentic life, open hands, living a generous life and outreached arms, which is living a compassionate life. And these are just some excerpts from the, the Bible coming from the books that we're going to be using. But it says the purpose of this study is to examine two, five categories of divine life, which I just shared with you, that should be evident in every Christian. These lifestyle traits are like signs that we hang over the door of our life that tell people what they should expect to find within. And because these were all traits that Jesus Christ manifested in himself, in his life, when people enter into a relationship with us, they gain some perspective on who Christ is if we manifest those traits in our life. If the church is going to make an impact in this world, it will do so only on the basis of authenticity and truthfulness. We cannot claim to be one thing with our words and then reveal we are something different by our lives. These signs of life certainly need to be preached within the practice. They need to be preached too, but they need to be practiced too within the church, but they definitely need to be practiced in our everyday lives as we live in the community, in our workplaces, in our neighborhoods. If every Christian showed the five signs of life transformed by Jesus Christ, shows five signs of a life transformed by Jesus Christ, we could change our world. After all, people are watching to catch a glimpse of the Savior in each one of us. They are straining to see His hands through our actions, hear His voice in our speech, feel His love through our kind acts, and know His grace through our embrace. Through this study, we will search scriptures that show us our best example of how to live, who we say we are, and that example is Jesus Christ. And I sure wish that thing would play because it is so good. Any love? No. Sorry. Okay. Thank you, Ms. Kelly. 
we got to hear the video during soundcheck this morning. Uh, and it was awesome because it, was a, it, was, it should be a challenge for our church. And we're about to sing a song on Him Shall I Fear, the God of Angel Armies. Uh, it says, I know who goes before me, I know who stands behind. The God of Angel Armies is always by my side. If we know that God that's in control of all things is always beside us, then we should have no problem holy living His word out in our community and our world. Um, and, and that's what this small group sounds like it's going to challenge us to do. So I really hope that you consider coming to be a part of like, these Truth University groups as the whole purpose of them is for us to grow as believers in Christ and grow a community with one another so that we can go and impact this community that we live in where Christ has planted us. So let's stand and continue to worship this morning.
We just come to you now, thankfully and grateful for your throne and for your son, God, for the price that he paid. God, thank you for his sacrifice. Thank you for loving us so much to be willing to sacrifice yourself. Lord, as we enter this time of giving, I pray that we be obedient to your word, Lord, that we may be willing to sacrifice for your kingdom, God. God, we love you. Be with us. In Christ's name we pray. Since tis my God that leads 
under the call of God, God is dealing with hearts and lives on a second-by-second basis. We never want to place ourselves as a stumbling block. So many times as a pastor, I have a very unique perspective because I can look out at a congregation. And sometimes I have seen people so moved. I mean, their knuckles have turned white holding on to a chair or a pew. And, and you can just see conviction written all over their face. And yet something goes on. During the service, someone beside them or in front of them that are oblivious to the move of God. One of the things that drives me crazy is someone to get up and move during the invitation. Listen, adults, you wouldn't, you wouldn't expect your kids to get up and leave an hour and a half class in school every day. What would you tell them, teachers? Go to the bathroom before you get here. Now, I understand we all have problems and issues that come up along the way, but we must never allow ourselves to be so inwardly focused that we forget there's a world around us going to hell. There are people in our lives that need to hear from God. We need to hear from God. And so this morning, I, I want to share with you a scripture from Numbers, chapter 17. Numbers 17. Now here's the deal. You cannot understand Hebrews until you've read that just obscure to us, boring, dragged through the mud reading of Leviticus. You cannot fully grasp the deliverance of who Christ is and does until you've read the Pentateuch, Genesis through Deuteronomy. We must see and read the Old Testament to understand and grasp the death of the new. And maybe they can get the picture, but I'm going to go and tell you about it. About a month ago, I was coming to work, and uh, as I was fixing to pull into the parking lot, I looked at the parking lot. And in the concrete parking lot, up kind of close to the road, there looked to be what looked like a hanging basket or a potted plant that had been uprooted and just laid on top of the concrete. But you see, it had not been uprooted. It had not spilled out. And it was not put there by mistake. Growing out of a crack across that concrete parking lot is what some would term a weed. But it had the most beautiful little reddish flowers. And it was just as green and beautiful. I was astounded before I even got off the road. God spoke this word in my heart. And I want to speak it to you. Bloom where you've been planted. Bloom where you've been planted. Church, I want us to see this morning in our daily lives, in the lives that we sometimes go through just in a monotonous way. 
You ever ask somebody how you doing? What's going on? They say, oh, it's same old stuff, just a different day. But my friends, God said His mercies are new every morning. God has a call on our lives. And I want us to see today that if we will bloom where we have been planted, whether it's in the midst of a stark, gray, cracked world, whether the world thinks we're just weeds among their own beautiful flowers that faded away, understand we're God's weed. And God can make us bloom wherever He plants us. And today, you've been planted for just a short minute at Eastside Baptist Church. Some of you need to get planted here as a member. You need to be baptized as a believer. You Not baptized to be a believer, but baptized because you have placed your faith, hope, and trust in Jesus Christ and He has saved you. Not because you placed your faith in but because He's the Savior He loves you. You've repented of your sin. And you need to be obedient. It's not a, listen. You say, it's enough. yeah, it's enough for fire insurance. But Jesus said, repent and be baptized. The scripture teaches that. Jesus wants us to show, and, and we see all the time. You know, it's one thing. You can post about Jesus all you want and say amen to it and everything else. But he said to make it public, not on social media, but to stand before the world and declare it to believers' baptism. You need to be planted at Eastside. You have moved here from another state, or maybe even another country. Can't wait for lunch. Now, I know that's usually not what a preacher says on Sunday morning. But I told the college students last week, I said, y'all come back this week. We're going to lunch. Take y'all out to lunch. And I'm thrilled. I, I can't wait. We're going to have a great, great time. And I asked him this morning, I went to Sunday school class, I said, Where, what's your major? Engineering, nursing, business, and all kinds of things. And like my daughter, one or two, undecided. And that's okay. It's all right. Don't, don't feel forced. Let God tell you what he wants you to do. You know, we, we're taught young, you can be anything you want to be. Don't teach your kids that obnoxious, unbiblical truth. There it is. Get down. <laughs> Kaylee's with me today. Come on, wake up. Now, if y'all can do it for Lynn Turner and Ronnie Smith and Emir Kane or Emer Kane, you can do it for me. I know I'm the same old face, but listen, Jesus is all our Savior, and I've got a word for you today. If you're awake and you're listening, boom, where you're planted. God has placed you here today to hear God's word. And I have no doubt in my mind, God gave me this word. Number 17. And the Lord spoke to Moses. Now let me give you a background. There's a group of Israelites, Korah and all of his rebellious clan, thought they were going to have their way. Some of us here today have a spirit of court. It was so bad that the Bible mentions it in the New Testament. Let me just give you a quick, quick synopsis of chapter 15 and 16 
God had a specific call on all of his children. How many tribes of Israel were there? Twelve. Twelve. And, I mean, you had Reuben and Asher and Judah, Issachar, Dan, you know, so on and so forth. But there was one called Levi. Called Levi. Now, before all, all of this really transpired, and there was a clear call that was placed on their life. And Levi, Levi would be the tribe of priests. God had a call on their life. They would not own land like the others. You know, they were going into the promised land. And they were going to say, all right, this track goes to this tribe. And this track goes to this tribe and all that. But Levi's lot was to take care of the temple. And through the tithes and offerings, and God would provide for the tribe of Levi. Is that in my poem right here? Okay. So, now we have Aaron, the high priest. Moses was leading. Aaron was the high priest. And yet, there were those who said, well, we don't like it. We have rights. Sound like today. We have rights. Why do you think you, and you made yourself to be a prince over all this, what they told Moses. Oh, you just want to rule everything. You want to be in control. And so they decided they could do whatever they want. And so if God told Moses and Aaron, said, tell all the rest of them, go get your censors, put fire in it, come out here. And they did. And God literally opened up the ground and swallowed them whole. So goes 15,000 some odd lives. Just a moment. My friend, you can't run from God. You can't try to beat God. You can't tell God what you're going to do and expect God not to judge you. Amen? Why do we think? I mean, we want to start saying, well, God's a loving God. Yes, He is a loving God. That's why He sent Jesus. But He said Jesus is the only way you can't pick and choose. Right? So, the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel, and get from them a rod from each father's house, all their leaders according to their father's houses, twelve rods. Write each man's name on his rod. And you shall write Aaron's name on the rod of Levi. For there shall be one rod for the house of each father's house. Then you shall place them in the tabernacle or the tent, the place of meeting before the testimony where I meet with you. And it shall be that the rod of the man whom I choose will blossom. Thus I will rid myself of the complaints of the children of Israel, which they make against me. So Moses spoke to the children of Israel, and each of their leaders gave him a rod apiece. For each leader, according to their father's houses, twelve rods, and the rod of Aaron was among their rods. Now, let me, let me explain something to you. You know what kind of rod? We're talking about a walking stick, up, probably that tall. It was just like we read in Exodus of, of Moses having a rod and what did he do? He threw it down and it turned into a serpent. He reached down and grabbed the serpent by the tail and it became a rod again. He held it up before the Red Sea and God's power 
Not Moses' power, but that rod was symbolic. Listen, that word in Hebrew literally means a rod, a support of life for correction, leading, walking, and even throwing. You see, in, in the matter of throwing it, it's a, it's a form of defense. It's a form of providing. It is a source of correction for a shepherd with his sheep. It's a source of leading as you hold up. And all the crowd can see that you held the rod of God. It's for walking to sustain the man through life. So, Moses spake to the children of Israel, verse 6, and each of their leaders gave him a rod. Each leader according to their father's house, twelve rods. The rod of Aaron was among their rods. And Moses placed the rods before the Lord in the tabernacle of witness. Now it came to pass on the next day that Moses went into the tabernacle of witness and behold the rod of Aaron. Now get this. Oh man, I love this. The rod of Aaron of the house of Levi had sprouted and put forth buds and produced blossoms and even yielded ripe almonds. And Moses brought out all the rods from before the Lord to all the children of Israel. And they looked and each man took his rod and the Lord said to Moses, bring Aaron's rod back before the testimony to be kept as a sign against the rebels that you may put their complaints away from me lest they die. Thus did Moses, just as the Lord had commanded him, so he did. God had a call on the tribe of Levi. God had a call on Aaron. And get this, God had a call on the other 11 tribes that were represented. He just didn't have Aaron's call on them. Church, I want you to understand my situation and your situation has nothing in common except God's call on your life is not mine. Mine is not yours, but they're equally the call of God. You've got a place in this old world. They say that Michael Phelps read the purpose-driven life and it saved him from suicide. I'm thankful and I praise the Lord for that. But I'm going to tell you, when do people say, I read the Bible and it changed my life? Look, we can be emotionally inspired by things and people and circumstances, but God's inspired Word can illuminate and change the very core of our being. God's got a call in your life and you need to stop Stop with the idea of, well, when I get older, when I get this. Have you ever heard somebody, uh, I've heard people that were so into old stuff. They dress like old days. They, you know, and they say, I was just born at the wrong time. You know what I'm saying? Some people, and we said, well, if, if our church had this, if we had more people, if we had more money, if our town was a little bit different, if we could get more businesses in, if we could get more talent here, if we could have more, listen, bloom where you're planted. That flower is growing out of a concrete parking lot. And it didn't care about the car. It's still there. 
I went out there this week, it's still there. With all the traffic of we ones every single day, with all the Sunday school traffic that comes in on Sundays, and all the people that come throughout the rest of the time, it's still there. Church, no matter your circumstances, God's people. God knows what class you're in. We complain about teachers. We complain about bosses. We complain about employees. We complain about traffic. We complain, period. But hear me today. Has God not placed you there for a reason, for a purpose? Three things I want you to see about the fact that God has to look at it. I want you all to get this like I'm talking to you personally because I am. God has a plan for you. Number one, it's a specific plan. Number two, it is a sovereign plan. And number three, it's a salvific plan. Let's look at the specificity of His plan. And stop and think about that so I didn't mess it up. I'm proud I actually said it. It is a specific plan here for the priesthood. I'm going to go on and cut to the chase and give you the, the end line, the conclusion of the whole matter. The priesthood had to be preserved for the great high priest to come. Y'all realize how many times Satan has interfered with his lineage? I mean, what about what about when they, the spies went in? And it turned out the one that protected them ended up being in the blood. What about David? Boy, didn't David jack that thing up? I mean, it's like a we think of great heroes, about, you know, battle-hardened warrior David, but it's a it's a black eye almost, except for the fact that God's grace is real. And some of us said, "You don't know what I've done. God can't." I'm gonna tell you, God can do whatever He wants. And I know one thing, God can do something with me. He can do anything with me. Church, it's a specific plan. Jeremiah, and I've mentioned him many times because Jeremiah is a great hero of mine. It encourages me because from the very beginning, in chapter 1, verse 5, he said, Before you were in your mother's womb, Jeremiah, I knew you. And then we go all the way to chapter 29, and we love to quote this. God says, I know the plans I have for you. Plans of peace and not evil. And if you'll seek me with all your heart, you'll find me. Is that not what it says? 29, 11 through 13. What about all that in between? There's a place where Jeremiah said, God, I cannot do it anymore. But there's a fire in my bones that won't let me quit. Some of you sitting here today just want to run and hide from the world. I know that feeling. You want to run from the politics. You want to run from the elite statuses. You want to run from all the materialistic, relativistic, humanistic just sinful, wretched, broken down society that we live in. 
But I got news for you. You're living. Therefore, God has plan for you. That's a very specific plan, first of all. It's a specific plan to who you are. You see, it's His call on your life. Do you know that in Revelation chapter 1 verse 6, that He calls us priests along with the Lord? Being born again, heirs and joint heirs with Jesus Christ. He calls us kings and priests of whom Jesus is the prince of. He is over all things. He is our head. We're His body. He's the shepherd. We're His chief, uh, sheep. Uh, he is the vine. We're the branches. He's the bridegroom. We're the bride. He is our everything. The church. There is what is called the priesthood of the believer. Where we can come to Him for help. It's a call on our life. It's a call. Listen to me. It's who you are. God has a plan for your life. My plan is not your plan. Your plan is not my plan. God knows you. He told Jeremiah knew you. Now get this. You want to talk about blooming where you're planted? Jeremiah was called a traitor. He had no friends. He had no converts. And yet he was called to be a prophet of God. What if he had quit? Chapter 28. Well, chapter 29 mean anything? Now I know that Jeremiah didn't write it. He just simply described what the Holy Spirit told him. But what if he had quit? Some of you are thinking about just quitting. I mean, listen, Christians quit every day. We got a roll of slams with them. When you got a thousand church members and there's 150 Sunday where are they at? I mean, listen. Some of them the Homeland Security couldn't find. We've quit on God. God, do you think that they were just, they're just all lost, they didn't get it? Or some saved and they just quit. God's got to call for their life. It's a specific plan. It's who we are. I mean, he said, right. Their names on the rock. So there can be no confusion. Why? Well, those rods look alike. That may be Dan's rod. Not one Dan's rod. It's Aaron's rod. Only one rod out of 12, but only one blue. The church, don't look around and say, well, if they'll go, I'll go. If they'll come to Sunday school, I'll go. So look, bloom where you're planted. God's got a call for your life that has no no bearing on what other people do. Just be faithful. So you are. It's where you are. He said back in chapter 16, in verse 13, Is it a small thing that you brought us up out of the land flowing with milk and honey to kill us in the wilderness? That you should keep acting like a prince over them. They whine and complain. They've been doing it for years and years and years. They turn, look, this is the first Gilligan's Island. How long were they gone? Were supposed to be gone? Gilligan. Y'all watch too much TV. 
a three-hour tour. Well, look, the trip from Egypt to the Promised Land should have been days, if not a few weeks. How long would they stay? Have you ever looked at the map where they went? It looks like if you were, and, and I've dog hunted with Ray, and he's got all them newfangled things and GPS and all that stuff. You, you know, and you watch them dogs, they looping and searching because of deer or rabbit. You know, they're running in circles. You know, that's one thing I learned early in rabbit hunting. If you just stand there, they're going to make a loop. They're going to come back. Well, that's all we are. Just come in and they just kept going in a loop. Why? Because they would not go where God you can come to this altar all you want. But if you get up and you take that same trash back with you, on the same track, you're going to just keep chasing your tail like they do. You see, it's a specific plan for where you're at. You know what? Stop complaining. He said in Joshua 1 9, Have I not told you be strong and of a good courage? You know, he says it earlier in chapter 1, but already, just a few verses later, he had a Have I not? told you that? Have I not told you? You know when something seems almost too good to be true and so you go back and say, are you sure? They say, look, I told you, didn't I? I told you it's okay. God has told us what we ought to do. And we ought to trust Him with our, all our heart. Stop leaning on our own understanding. Bloom where you're planted. Because this specific plan is based on where you are. God has put you there. Then, it's specific to the time. And the time is now. I like old music. I like old cars. But I didn't grow up in the 50s. Now I'm starting to think that people, when they talk about old cars and Old music, old people that come up to me. I look around, I'm the oldest one up on the stage today. I'm like, when did that happen? You know? When did that happen? I mean, woke up one day, I was old. But I, I was born in 1964. October 11th. George Baptist Hospital. To Albury. Betty Bray. I'm the first boy. God had a plan. God had a plan. I heard a song yesterday. <laughs> Listen to Pandora. Cleaning, working around the house. I heard this old song. I'm not going to tell you what it was. But, I told Becky, I said, every time I hear this song, we're in the parking lot at what we call Coach Moore's, which was the teenage hangout where we met. This song takes me back to August 1982 when I met my future wife. Don't tell it. The telephone, telegraph, tell me. Now <laughs> Listen, are you having fun? Jesus is fun, church. Let's not just about go eat Mexican for lunch. Jesus is fun. Jesus ought to be 
I mean, look, we, we see pictures of Jesus' mealy mouth, pale skin, little soft, sissy hand. Jesus was a real man. Jesus grew up as a carpenter. And it wasn't just working with the finer woods of the world. It was, it was working with uh, rock and, and, and other things they created. All this stuff. They didn't have power tools. He had to hit with a hammer and a chisel. And they had to hand saw whatever they did. He was a man. And he enjoyed life. Why do you think he hung out around the lake? They was always fishing. Y'all like that, didn't you? Am I wrong? You know what else? Where did he do most of his ministry in the setting of round table? You know where he did a lot of it? Sitting at the table. Over a meal. There's a reason why we cook casseroles. There's a reason why we have homecomings and we eat like there's no tomorrow when somebody dies. Because we know it may be us next, so we might as well enjoy it. You know, we've got to understand that God is so real. God's plan is so specific that the time is now. What did he tell Esther through Mordecai? such a time as this. I don't have a clue who's going to be the president. I'm not that kind of prophet. I know I want to run too. But I know one thing. Whoever it is, God's still on his throne. Come that Wednesday morning, unless it's like one and they're still counting shads, and it's three months later, Whatever time, even before that, God knows. And God will still be in control. Now is the time for us. Look, we say, oh, we just can't do what we used to. I'm telling you, God can do as great a things today as He's ever done. Remember that when Jonah finally went into Nineveh, it was the most depraved, despicable, hedonistic society on the face of the earth. And with the power of God, He Fasted and prayed and repented. Greatest revival in the whole Bible, I believe. You think God can't do it today? Do you realize the church grew faster in the days of the early church with people like Paul and Peter, Timothy and John under the greatest persecution it's ever faced? Church, the time is now for such a time. As this, what do we say? There's no time like the present. Look, church, there's no excuses why we can't get after and serve God. Right? So, God's plan is specific, but it's also solid. What does that even mean? We hear that word thrown around. It's in songs. And it's, it's a very specific, very clear doctrine that we need to grasp. God is in control. Sovereignty means God is over all. As it speaks of Christ in Colossians 1, He has the preeminence. There is none above Him. 
He has all control over all things at all times, as we just mentioned. But this plan is sovereign in that it's God's call. When I walked in Ireland in December of 1983 and said, God's called me to preach, my mama didn't call me. My daddy didn't call me. Matter of fact, they never, ever mentioned me being a preacher. My grandfather was a pastor and a preacher. Never once said, you don't make a preacher. No, the way I was living, they just hoped I'd live. It was God's call on my life. God's got a call for your life. You believe that? How do you mean? By your looks, you don't believe that. You feel like that you're not that relevant. That if you're not here on Sunday, you're not really missed. You know. God cares specifically about you and the plan He has for you and for your life. God has a plan. You matter. You matter to Him. You matter to us. I matter to you, I hope. We matter together as a body, fitly joined together, all members serving under Him, our head. You see, the reason we know it's a sovereign plan is that it's done His way. I mean, what if we walked in here next Sunday morning and this bush was full of fresh olives growing off the end of these things? It's, yeah. But that, that rod was no more alive than those, that dead plastic plant. It was cut. It was a rod. It had probably been kind of smoothed down for a grip. I mean, it was formed for that single purpose, to be that rod, to walk with and to lead with. But God was doing something miraculous. God can do miracles in your life if you live. Amen. Now, Aaron had to submit his rod, right? And say, here, wrote his name on it, here. That's what we do when we pray, God, here I am. Here's my life. You do something with me, God had that. Because when I ran from God for two years of God's calling on my life, and I was a miserable wreck. I was trying to live the pleasures of the temporal life, and it was doing nothing but driving me further and further away from peace and comfort and joy in the Lord. And that day in December, when I pulled over in front of Six Flags, put my head on the steering wheel of that parts delivery truck, and with tears flowing down my face, I literally, this is how spiritual I was. I said, God, your plan cannot be worse than mine. So if you can do something with me, have it. God said, that's what I was waiting for. Now, I didn't do it despitefully. I didn't because I was so broken and empty. I knew I couldn't take another step. I felt like if I pulled back out of that parking lot without saying that, God would strike me dead. I literally felt like that. And I, I have no doubt that would have happened. But God did the most miraculous things. Specifically in just a matter of a few weeks. Not only had he, did he give me a new job, where I wasn't delivering those parts in that place where I thought I wanted to be in around hot rock. I delivered parts one day to First Baptist Church in Atlanta. I didn't know who Charles Stanley was. And I pulled into the 
The garage, the old Capitol Cadillac building. Midtown Atlanta, right there off of Spring Street. Bob Bennett, who ran the garage at First Baptist, Simon, he said, hey, you want a job? I said, doing what? He said, well, you take, help me take care of all these vans. We've got, I don't know how many dozens of vans, and we got buses, and we, uh, we help people in the church. They have car problems and stuff. They'll bring them down here. We'll do oil changes, and we've done mug swaps and stuff. You'd be interested in that? Well, maybe. I said, but, you know, it's a little further, driving downtown. He said, well, this is how much. It was twice what I was making. He said, you get uniforms, and they feed us every day in the cafeteria. Home-cooked meals. Within six months after I took that job, they transferred me into In Touch. I began to make the tapes of all those sermons. And I was here in grace eight hours a day. God was growing me in the ministry. Things just changed. God has a plan and it's got to be His way. It's miraculous. He's over nature. He's over physics. He's over math. He's over science. He's over all things because He's God. He created it. Man only discovers things God created. Right? You see, it's not relativity with God. It's its activity. God has a plan. It can be miraculous. I mean, you've got stories, don't you? How God did something, how He brought you together, or saved your parents, or saved your child, or saved your, your parent, or gave you a job, or yeah, provided finances in a situation where there weren't any, and it was just like, this is a God thing. And if you've not had a God thing in a while, maybe you have so cordoned yourself off into a comfort zone that God can't do anything miraculous because you've provided everything you need out of your own flesh and your own energy. We would not have seen it. Aaron's rod would not have been It's a sovereign plan of miraculous work. It's His work. It's meaningful work. God has a meaning for our lives. He has a meaning through all things that come in our lives. Morton Kelsey said, Church is not a museum for the saints, but a hospital for sinners. We have a purpose. God has a plan for Eastside Baptist Church. And I don't want to burst your bubble, but it's not to satisfy your entertainment needs. You don't come here to be pleased. And the older I get, the more I get that. And I love every one of them. I'm telling you, I do. But I'm not here to please you on how long my message is or where I preach from or how I preach. They're not up here to sing to please you. They're up here to lead us in worship of the Lamb. That's what it's about. And if you've got any kind of inclination for anything else, you need to pray and ask God to set your heart right. Look, I love, I love the old hymn. He leadeth me. Man, what deep meaning there. If we can truly sing that from our heart, and we're right where God wants us to be. How appropriate was that song for what we're talking about today? Do you think that was by mistake? God has a plan for your life. He wants you to hear His truth. 
Because He is sovereign all over all things. Think you can hide from God? Ask Moses. God found him on the backside of the desert. Ask Saul or Paul. who found him on the road to the master. Ask Joseph. For God found him on the boat of rebellion. Church, his sovereign plan, God's call is seen in his work. It has mean God had a purpose for Aaron and the priesthood, right? Right? Yeah. Right? <clears throat> once a year, once a year was what Leviticus calls the Day of Atonement. And the day before they fasted, didn't they? And they, the priest would set aside the lamb for seven days, no spot, no blemish. He'd make sure he was clean inside and out. And only the high priest could carry that lamb into the Holy of Holies. It had to be sacrificed a certain way, sprinkled a certain way, the hyssop, the you know, all that stuff. Very specific way. All of it has meaning. When you start reading about uh, all the ephods and read about the rods, through the ark and the wings and all, all that matters. For God would have said, you know what? God cares about little and matter. Jesus fulfilled all of it. God had a purpose for Aaron. And He's got a purpose for you. And it's a very meaningful, meaningful work. We are called to serve Put your apron on and serve. Whether it's stacking chairs, putting ice in the cups, turning the lights off, making sure that bills are paid, whether it's leading in music, playing an instrument, singing in the choir, keeping the nursery, preaching the messages, whatever God has for you, it is specific. And it is sovereign. And it matters. You matter. We see this sovereign plan in his witness. Only one rod but Hear me. No political correctness. No participation trophies. One out of twelve. Women. One. Y'all watch any of the Olympics. The one thing that broke my heart more than any of them, just told me of it, is it was, it was a qualifying event. It wasn't even five. Just a qualifying event. In the run, boy got down in his blocks, you know. I'm not going to. I may not be able to get back up. He had trained for four years. Probably longer than that. Trained for this month. It was there. He was representing not, not just his family. Not just his family. I always tell the kids who play on my team. said, always remember the name written across that jersey. Because you're representing that town. You're representing everyone here. All. That boy got down in that block. He said, runner's ready. Set. 
but a literal millisecond before that gun was fired, he came off the ball. And in that split second of trying to get ahead, he was disqualified. No second chances. He went over a squall, grown man. Just he could not rectify it in his mind. His chance was over. We're going to get to the next point now. In fact, God's call is a salvific work. It's about deliverance. I want you to understand something about that story. Man, just kill me. Like, it's a qualifier. Give the kid a second chance. Man, at least give him twice. If he blows again, hey, it's going to take you, what, 20 seconds? 20 seconds, regroup them, put them back in, and come on. One time. There's a lot of people waking up in hell every day. You know, God, give me one more chance. You need it. You're just trying to get ahead. Oh, when I get older, the kids, I can't take them right now. They'll just cry. And, and y'all don't have 17 people in the nursery, so I just can't take them. Boom. Chocolate. Church, we're not a babysitter. Look, I preach over young ones. I've done it for years. We want to serve and we want to minister, but look. We're not a naked. We're church. And I understand you want, I'm flattered you want to sit in here, but you know what? Everybody loves us too. So I go keep the nursery and I'll preach. But that's not my call. I tried one time. One time. Church, I don't mean anything rude, but listen to me. We've got to stop in this whole idea just because we go to church means we're going to heaven. Just because I'm with a group of good people means I'm good. I've got news for you. There are none good. No, not one. Being in a car doesn't, I mean, being in a garage don't make you a car. Being in a field won't make you a cow. And being in church will surely not make you a Christian. Church, believe where you're planning. Listen, this salvific work was a deliverance from outside distractions. Sometimes in our lives, things bother. May I say a month ago I was bothered. Satan still tries to bother me. God's given me healing, comfort, guidance, and taught me some things through my own personal heartache. I don't even remember, but I know that morning, I may not have been depressed or anything, but, you know, I was just the weight of everything. A bunch of little things feel like a big thing. That day when I pulled up, God... I saw a blooming flower in the midst of concrete. Stark, gray, cracked world. Flower bloom. May I say, I wasn't sure I was going to preach this because I just fully, for once, got, hey, that's for me. God was telling me. 
today God wants me to tell you. You can blame heaven. Hey, what does it shake like? This one really is. Ain't that cool? I don't know if it has any meaning or not. And I just thought it was good. Shake like a heart. Beautiful world thing. Oh, it's just a weed. I said, I've asked someone, what is that? It's a weed. Well, it's a pretty weed. Church, we've got to understand the world and say, oh, crack, oh, you just need it, nothing else. Ants come out of cracks, you know, roaches. I mean, world, nothing grows out of crack. Nothing can be good. You're just an old way. I've got news for you. God will give you deliverance from outside distractions if you'll just blend where He's playing. It's deliverance from inside disobedience. Eleven tried, and he didn't say, "Well, let's just get these couple." He wanted it to be clear for everybody. Only one was called to do this. You've been called for God's purpose, God's plan for your life, right here, right now. We need to understand our disobedience will wreck our lives. Because Korah led the rebellion, many others followed. God didn't cut them slack. He swallowed them all. Church, you may think you can handle it. Your kids are watching. Your neighbors are watching. Your friends are watching. You must be obedient to God's call. And finally, I want you to understand. It's deliverance from eternal disaster. Isaiah 53, verse 2, tells us in very poignant terms, speaking of Jesus as a prophecy, for He shall grow up before Him as a tender plant, and as a root of the dry ground. He has no form or comeliness, and when we see Him, there is no beauty that we should desire Him. That's what that is in that picture. Root out of the dry ground, a flower out of the concrete driveway. A weed to the world, but a beautiful flower before God. Jesus was not wanted. He was rejected among men. You can read on through this chapter and see all the torment and suffering the Savior went through for us. But we need to understand that it was Aaronic priesthood. It was God protecting that lineage that Jesus may be the high priest. That not just once a year, but every moment we can approach the throne of grace boldly. Because in Hebrews chapter 4, I love it. I want you to hear what Right of Hebrews tells us. He said in verse 14, Seeing then that we have a great high priest. How did that happen? Miraculously. God calls the root out of the dry ground a budding rod to continuously bloom. He said, Who has passed through the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. We do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. So, 
because of that. Let us therefore now come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Church, I don't know your circumstances, God knows. I don't know what time it is in your life, whether it's young, Christianity, mature, wherever you're at. I don't know what's going on in all the families, your job, school. I don't know all that, but I do know this. God does. And I know that God had a call on Aaron. God has got a call on you. God is calling us to repentance. If we're born again, then God is calling us to service. God can do miraculous, meaningful things when we will surrender our life, our leading, surrender our, our protection. We want to protect and fix it and get it brought up. That rod was life. You understand it's a matter of life and death. That rod would stand between an animal and his people. It stood before, between deliverance through the Red Sea and disaster with Pharaoh. That rod meant something. You had to give it up. God calls it to be a great example. If you'll give your life up, the Bible says he that will lose his life will save him. Today is a come. I want to urge you, listen to me. Stop with the excuses. Stop with the complaint. Bloom where God's planted you. Bloom in the cracks of this world. Bloom in the deserted, desolate, concrete jungle of today. No matter what the world thinks of you, y'all, y'all Christians are just a bunch of weeds. Y'all just be quiet, go back in the hole from which you came. This world will be a lot more beautiful place. Look, keep blue. Don't look. Don't lash back. Just look. The flower don't say, "Hey, you can have a sign that says, look at me, look at me." No, just it's just there. If you'll bloom and mix your world, the world will notice. No matter what's going on, cars wrap, the busyness of life, you'll notice. They'll notice the blooms in your life. Church, God's calling you to repentance. Will you come today? God's calling you to surrender to His call. Stand and come. Stand and come and say, Lord, I want to be planted in you. May I bloom for your glory. Come.
very disappointed. Guys, that next day, but I think they knew when they surrendered to God, who knows what happened. I think sometimes we keep looking for something we know in our heart. It's not because we're not truly surrendered. We're not where God wants us to be. We're not doing what God called us to do. Early in ministry, I was just looking. Didn't know exactly what to do, where to go, and how to do it. Looking at other things around. And I was sitting there talking to a dear friend of mine in ministry, someone who's been a great mentor to me for close to two decades. I said, what do you think about what do you think about this place and that place and other places? And he listened to me and he suffered me to speak for a little while. And after a while, he said, listen to me. Look at me in my eyes. And hear my heart because I've been there and made the wrong decision. He said, don't look for something better. Miss God's business. Sir Tyler. That I've quoted that to myself more times than you could ever imagine. Because I look for an easier way, a better way. God's got me where I need to be, when I need to be there, doing what I need to do. If I would just give it to Him, then I would receive God's best. And God bless you as you go. God's finished. We're going to. We're going to have a good time. Come back tonight for worship. Uh, all other plans and activities. We've got another word for tonight. But if you've got doubts about what God can do in your life, come tonight and hear He's able. Amen? He's able. Father, thank You for Your Word. Thank You for Your miraculous work. People say this is a fairy tale. I have no doubt in my mind that that God bloomed continuously. And that no matter when they could go over that ark, pull out the rod, and be fresh almonds hanging. God, may we bear fruit. May we bloom where we've been planted. You make no mistakes. May we just trust you. Bless our day that we may bless you in, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.